0: Hello. Good to have you here. Really glad you're here. Um, Happy Father's Day. A little extra excitement for the dads on Father's Day, hanging out in the parking lot. Um, We're likely to go a little long. We're doing what we can to um, shorten things a little bit, but we may go 10 or 15 minutes longer than normal. If you need to go to an appointment or a lunch date or whatever, I will not be offended. Neither will the band, uh, but we are going to go a little long. Uh, we are not going to allow circumstances to keep us from doing what we need to do here today. We're in the middle of the box office series uh, as box office wisdom, as Brad said. And what we do is we pull out the themes or the messages from uh, the movies in the summer and we compare and contrast the wisdom uh, that they are advocating how life works with the scriptures. And so today we're looking at Inside Out. Now I've been, I saw the trailer a while back and I've been looking forward. I'm not a real animated movie guy. Um, I don't think it's my, my manhood that causes me to say that. Uh, but I've been looking forward to how they address the issue that is is being addressed in in the the movie so let's watch the trailer here it is and see what it's about so riley how was the first day of school fine i guess did you guys pick up on that sure Mm -hmm. did something's wrong signal the husband uh-oh she's looking at what did she say? Oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh we left the toilet seat up. What is it, woman? What? I'm Joy. This is sadness. That's anger. This is disgust and that's fear. We're Riley's emotions. These are Riley's memories. They're mostly happy. You'll notice, not to brag. I wanted to maybe hold one. What happened? Sadness. She did something to the memory. Is everything okay? I don't know. Take it back, Joy. me, Joy. No, Let wait. Go. The core memory. Ah! No, 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 no! Ah! <gasps> Can I say that curse word now? Ah! Oh, yeah. What do we do now? Nothing's working. Why isn't it working? <laughs> We have a major problem. Oh, I wish Joy was here. We can fix this. We just have to get back to headquarters. That's long-term memory. You could get lost in there. Think positive. Okay. I'm positive you will get lost in there. I this what was that? Was it a bear? There were no bears in San Francisco. I saw a really hairy guy. He looked like a bear. This place is Imagination Land? No way. Dream Productions? Rainbow Unicorn? Right there. I loved you in Fairy Dream Adventure Part Seven. Okay, bye. I love you. You can't focus on what's going wrong. There's always a way to turn things around. It's Brockley! Congratulations, San Francisco. You ruined pizza. Girl! Ah! Great ah! Hang on! <laughs> Finally, here we come! All right, there's a taste of what the movie's about. Uh, I did a little sermon research on Thursday night and went to the movie. And uh, here, here's the plot. Riley is the gal, the, the younger gal. I think she's 11, 12, 13, somewhere in there. She's uprooted from her Midwest life and uh, moves to San Francisco. And in, in the movie, we get a view of what's going on inside of her head. Um, there are five basic emotions. They actually are cute characters. Um, And they represent the emotions that are tugging at our desires and influencing our thoughts. Uh, We meet joy, fear, anger, disgust, and sadness. And and they're pretty comical in, in the movie. The personified emotions, they live in headquarters, the control center inside her mind where they push buttons of what she does. With her life, The theme really resonates, I think, with us because we all have to deal with the emotions that are in us, and we can resonate with that. We can recognize that. In the interviews for the movie, the director wanted to make a movie, he said, that explored what really goes on inside of us. And what causes us to do what we do. And he did this with his little girl in mind. He did this with his daughter in mind. And actually the message, as you pull it out of there, is a pretty good one. He wanted her, and this, is, this is my take. He didn't actually say this in the interview. But he wanted her to know that we all have to deal with a full range of emotions. And that you can't always be happy. And you shouldn't really even desire to always be happy. There are other things that we experience in life, other emotions that come on. And they themselves, if we take them in the right direction, can be instructive. So we, we need the full range. That's, that's really the message of the, the movie. But a major theme in many movies is follow your heart. Go with it. And this is actually a little different take on that because it shows us what's going on inside of our heart in the control center. In the Bible, your heart is guidance central. So that part of the movie really is accurate. It's it's where we make all our decisions about how we're going to we're going to live life. Proverbs says that uh, we should guard our heart because from it flow the springs of life. What we say, what we do come out of what we think and feel and what's rolling around inside of us. So the movie actually doesn't advocate following your heart. It it doesn't say one way or the other whether we should or not. But what it does do is it, it encourages us to acknowledge that emotions exist. And it's not good to discount even the negative emotions, which like sadness. Get into scripture, you find out Greece very instructive grace very helpful it's a, it's it's a part of life and that's i believe what the writers trying to say the idea that we often see in movies is follow your heart which is a pull to trust your feelings your intuition and to guys we'd probably prefer to say we we follow our gut instinct you know following your heart could be a little girly <laughs> but we follow our gut and, you know, we do often follow our gut right to the favorite restaurant or whatever it is. <laughs> the, the problem with our heart, though, is that in our heart is a mixed bag of desires, good and bad, positive and negative. These are being influenced by our emotions, and there's a very strong pull in the direction of our desires. We have to learn to filter the desires the right way, despite our emotions. So this movie brings up the issues of what's going on, and the scripture gives a lot of guidance for handling these things, filtering these things, our desires through our emotions and the thoughts that come with them, uh, into choosing the right way, God's way. The movie brings up the reality of our complex nature as human beings. I mean, there's a lot going on with us. It's a lot inside. Sometimes everything we feel and want to do are all in alignment. That's a beautiful moment. Um, I personally don't have very many of those moments. Um, at other times, we're swaying from one feeling to another like we've got a flat tire. You ever tried to drive on the freeway with a flat tire? Ooh, ooh, hard to control. I have. I've gone, gone flat on the freeway. And you're pulling to one side. You can test this if you just try to start eating healthy. That's all you have to do. You begin to battle inside, you know, what I really want that tastes great or self-control. What do I want to do? Try biting, biting your tongue when someone's harsh with you and you get in touch with the battle. When you try to do right, you begin to face the battle. And emotions pull us in different directions. And they... Influence us as, or they attempt to, as we try to make important decisions in life. And often they pull us toward damaging desires that are not going to be good if we follow them. With that in mind, I'd like to share a story of a man who followed his heart from the scriptures. His name was Samson. There's a listening guide in your program. You could follow along. He followed his heart and experienced grave consequences from just caving in to his feelings. Uh, The story of Samson is found in Judges 13 through 16. We're not going to read all of those chapters, but I'm going to pull out some snippets from those chapters as I tell his story. And then you might uh, also want to read through those this week. That would be a good thing, read through the whole story. It doesn't take very long, the whole story of Samson in Judges 13 through 16. But this book in the Bible, Judges, it covers the history of Israel during the era of the judges who were uh, in between. There was Moses, key leader. Joshua led the battles into the promised land. And then there was this era of judges in between Joshua and the first king of Israel, who was Saul. And this is the way God led his people. During this part of history and one of God's main purposes for preserving uh, the, the history of Israel is to to teach us about himself and his ways so that we can learn about God and his purposes through the history of Israel. We don't have to learn ourselves. Uh, if, if you're like me, you, you tend tend to learn from experience your own experience. Um, and I believe most of us do. That's the way we do it. But as you read the book of Judges, a cycle emerges. There's a cycle that shows up in the history of the nation. They, first of all, start out living out loving obedience to God. They're, they're obeying God. Things are going well. They're experiencing God's blessing. Then they decide to rebel. There's rebellion. God disciplines them like a good father, disciplines children, and he allows another nation to oppress them. The people turn back to God in repentance, and then uh, they cycle back to loving obedience to the Lord. This cycle happens uh, at least 12 times because we're looking at, at Samson, who was the 12th judge. He was the final judge. In, in the the book of judges, and I, I personally I used to when I was younger, I would read the Old Testament and I was like, "Oh, what is their problem what are, what is the, what are the Israelites thinking? you know what are they doing and then I got real hey that's I can identify with that cycle that's a lot like me. you know I wander off, and God needs to bring me back, and sometimes I get disciplined he's a good dad, and he does that. So I can identify with it. I'm sure you can too. Samson's story begins in Judges 13 at another low point in the cycle. Judges 13, 1. And the people of Israel, again, did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years. So here they're under oppression by the Philistines. As we talk about The complex interplay between our thoughts, emotions, and desires, we see the impact of caving in and following your heart in Samson's story and in the history of Israel that's recorded in this book and all through the Old Testament, really. God's people, the Israelites, they're prime examples of this pull that we have to do whatever feels good into the moment that lines up with destructive desires. They they kept wandering that way. So Samson is born... To serve God's purpose and to lead the country to overthrow the oppression of the Philistines. An angel appears to his mother before he was born. She had been barren. She was unable to conceive. And she is given these instructions in 13.5, Judges 13.5. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb. And he, he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. He, he was, as I said, the last of 12 judges. He was a man's man. His physical strength was unparalleled uh, in his time. Here's here's a picture, an artist rendering of Samson uh, as he's manhandling a lion. His family, were, they were taking a trip to Phil, Phil, Philistia, and this lion attacks them. Uh, the scriptures say that he rips it apart like you'd rip apart a goat. Okay, the dude was... He was a man (laughs) and he was strong. Okay, that's an example of his strength. You can see his long hair, which is a symbol of his devotion to God. Uh, The Nazarite vow that he took that his mother was instructed to to give him was abstinence from strong wine or strong drinks, alcohol, no cutting of the hair and no contact with the dead. You you discover in Judges 13, as you read through it, you can read through it on your own, that God had plans to use Samson to throw off the oppression of the Philistines. He was a warrior. He, he He could fight like no other in his day. However, Judges 14 uncovers that there are some things tugging on his heart that keep tugging on his heart. The strong man had a glaring weakness. Let's read about that in Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives and among our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, "Get her for me for she is right in my eyes." Interesting comment, huh? "For she is right in my eyes." I want her, get her for me. This this is the way it was done in those days. I'm not going to go into a long explanation of of how that was. But the parents go with it, he goes against the desires of his parents and he marries her anyway and as you read the context in Judges 14, you realize that God uses even this tendency to accomplish his purpose through Samson's life. God can do that. That's the way God is. He, he takes all of the stuff that's going on with us, all of the choices he makes. And scripture says the Lord's purpose will prevail, not our purpose, not what I want. But what God wants, that's going to prevail. And so God weaves this in, this tendency, um, to go with his gut, to follow his heart. And he used it to accomplish his will. This, this is what God does. I, I don't know how he does it, but he does it. Samson had a pattern of following his heart and going after what he wanted in the moment. Judges 16, we find that he crossed paths with two more women. One was a prostitute. Uh, they, were, they were both Philistine women. One was a prostitute at the gates of the city and another named Delilah. Uh, when he was in the house of the prostitute, the, the Philistines set an ambush outside of the house because they were told that he was there. They were, gonna, they were trying to take him out because Samson is the leader of this nation. They're oppressing. They need to take the leader out so they can maintain control. He's incredibly strong. He's the leader. They need to take him out, so they're waiting outside the prostitute's house, and he, in a show of strength, avoids the ambush. You can, you can read about it later. He was a judge. He was a leader of, the, of his people, but he had a habit of forgetting God in the moment. And the, the interesting thing is you find out in Scripture that God is the number one factor in any circumstance we face. And so here's here's Samson. He gets in the moment, and he forgets about God, and he does what he wants. That is a very, very dangerous habit. Not a good thing. It's a danger for all of us. To be in the moment, forget about God. Forget about his wisdom. Forget about his way. So the Philistines keep trying to take him out. And as we go on, we could pick up the story later in Judges 16, and it says after this, after the the uh, prostitute, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. The word "love" is uh, in in the Hebrew it was originally writ, written in is it's sort of affection. It's an emotion-based love. It's not it's not a committed love. It's this. Rush of emotion, sort of like an infatuation. So, he loved a woman named Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, "...seduce him, and see where his strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, and we will give you 1,100 pieces of silver." So Delilah said to Samson, "...please tell me where your great strength lies." And how you might be bound, uh, that one could subdue you. How how is it that you can be overtaken and overpowered? What what is it that's going to do that? And so he avoids the the real truth for a while with Delilah. He keeps allowing his heart though to lead him into a trap. And this is this is what happens. Verse sixteen and eighteen of Judges sixteen. When she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. He had about all he could take. <laughs> she's just relentless. She's going, she wants that 1,100 pieces of silver. She's going, she's going for it. And he told her all his heart and said to her, A razor has never come upon my head, for I've been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called him, uh, called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Delilah had his heart at this point, not God. He had given his heart to her. He had trusted her with the truth. Her next move was to do the deed So she could make the money. And the passage says, if you read it, you can read it yourself, but it says that she made him sleep on her knees. As Keith Urban would say, she gave him a come here, baby, look. Okay, and and he fell asleep on her knees when he fell asleep on her knees. uh, He he, she brings in a, a Philistine guy who cuts off his hair. And his strength is gone because his hair really is a symbol of his devotion to God. So at that point, he had given his heart to Delilah uh, over against God. And the next thing that happens is Philistines gouge out both of his eyes, take him a prisoner with the intent to kill him and to mock the Israelites and their God in the face of death. Samson turns to God one last time, no eyes, can't see, he's blind. He turns to God and asks for the strength to take out the enemy. In Judges 16, 28, then saw, uh, Samson called to the Lord and said, O oh Lord God, please remember me and please strengthen me only this once, O oh God. And he pushes away the pillars and... He destroys and, and actually takes out more of the enemy in his death than he did during his lifetime. That's, that's what the scripture says. Now, this story is epic in every sense. It make quite a movie in and of itself, but it's an epic fail because he, he fails as he allows his emotions to lead him away from the living God who holds life in his hands. Wrong desires supercharged with emotions lead us into a trap no matter how good it feels. This is the way it is. We all have counterproductive patterns that we tend to live in life. They're easy to cave into when emotions are high. They're easy to default to. At work, you know the best way to approach a project is to take more Maybe the more complex track, and, and you're, looking at the, you're looking on this side, the front side of the project, you're thinking, wow, this is going to be a lot of work. I've got to pay attention to all these details. And then an easier way comes to mind, might be a little shortcut, and you take it. You pay a price when you do that. But it just seems so right to do that. Or you're, you're relating to your kids, patient instruction is what trains them. But badgering them is such a faster way to get them moving. So rather than taking the time to explain and actually train them, there may be sarcasm, there may be badgering, to get them moving, let's just get them moving. I need, we need to get this done. You're, it makes so much sense in here to us. In relating to your spouse, the need to be superior We all have this in us. Scripture says we have this need. We want to be, we want to be the most important. We think we are most of the time. We're we're the most important in any situation. And so the need to be superior forces or drives us to win the argument with our husband or wife. And who who wins that really? Nobody wins. Nobody wins in that case. There are a bunch of things that you need to do right now. You know you know the list and you know they're crucial, but fun is calling your name. And yeah, I'm gonna dive into fun and I'm gonna let those other things go. We have these strategies and the emotions pull on our desires for things in a way that if we if we follow them, we're destroyed over time. Our heart is not a reliable guide. We're going to find out it's worse than that in a few moments. Samson and our own experience shows us that we all need someone beyond ourselves to guide us. We need help. And instinctively, when we face trouble, we turn to someone or something. We, We go somewhere for guidance. And there are three basic sources for guidance. One is man, either ourselves or other men or women that we go to, other people we go to for help. The second is the Lord. And the third are idols, or an idol or idols. An idol is any god or thing that a person trusts in for help and guidance, other than the God who made us. We can make an idol out of anything. Now, I want to look at a passage from Jeremiah that really gives some insight into what Samson went through and how important it is to go the right direction as we deal with our emotions. Jeremiah is comparing and contrasting two of these sources, uh, the first two, man and the Lord. And so we, we see what he has to say. We desperately need perspective at this moment when our emotions are tugging at us and he lays out the different outcomes for trusting in man, ourselves or others, and trusting in God. Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. That's quite a picture. This is what Samson experienced. As he trusted in himself, his own heart and flesh, he he lived out the picture that's painted in this passage. You can see the fruit of a person who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength. Their life shrivels up like a shrub in the desert. You don't see shrubs in the desert. It's not what you see. They die. They don't live there. They live other places. People who trust in themselves don't find what they're looking for. If they can pull off the goal, if they can reach their destination, they don't find what they're looking for uh, because they're going to the wrong source for guidance. When emotions, intuition, or our gut, our heart is the only guide we use, our problems multiply. Sometimes we say it's, we're riding our emotions like a roller coaster. And that's, that's what it's like. It's hairy. Here's a picture that flows from trusting God. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. For its leaves remain green, and it is is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's a liar. Hey, your heart is a liar. I I don't know if you ever thought of this. But you know how you can tell when a liar is lying? Their mouth is moving. I found out on the way to church today, Megan Trainer says the same thing. You know? (laughs) You're talking, you're lying. That's what happens. My my daughter brought me to church today, so I, I was telling her. She said, "Hey, you looking forward to the message?" And I said, "Yeah, I really am. I I thought of this. What do you think of this one? You know, your heart's a liar." And she goes, "Oh, Megan Trainor says that." <laughs> so we had a fun moment on the way to church. But that's how you can tell when a liar's lying. Their their mouth is moving. You. So what that means is whenever your heart is talking, when it's pulling in a certain direction, you need to filter what it's saying. You, you need to filter the emotions. You need to filter the thoughts that are flowing. Because if you do not, you're going to go to default. You're going to be pulled in a direction that is really going to be destructive. You can see the fruit that grows, however, from trusting the Lord in this passage. Uh, could you skip back a, a, a screen? Here's, here's the fruit. It's like planted by water. Life flourishes. Our roots are strong. We find courage in adversity, in drought, and we bear good fruit. Life tastes good. No matter what's going on around, even if the fire alarm goes off before worship, no matter what's going on, we are planted And we're growing strong, and we're bearing fruit that brings just a good quality to life. So how do I get off the roller coaster of my emotions and express trust in the Lord? I don't have much time to cover this, but I want to walk through this, and you can look at it later. I've given you passages to look up. First of all, make sure you're walking in obedience to the Lord. Stay at the front side of the cycle that the Israelites went through. Make sure that you're walking in obedience. Be careful to do that. Never choose a path that goes against what God's already said in Scripture. He's never going to lead you. No matter what your heart is saying, remember, it's lying. (laughs) No matter what your heart is saying, if it's saying, okay, it could be telling you the truth, but it has a tendency to lie. As you sort it out, as you sort out what your heart is saying, if it lines up with the Word of God, it's telling you the truth. If If it doesn't, Do not go there. Do not follow it in that direction. Because God is never going to tell you something. He's never going to direct you in a way that contradicts what He's already said in Scripture. So you need to know it and make sure you're walking in obedience to the Lord. And then second, pray for God to guide you and trust Him to lead you as you look at what the Bible says about the decision you're making, as you seek wise advice, as you consider the facts need to step back. Don't don't rush the decision. Don't do it. But think it through. Pray it through. Wait until you know you have a sense of where God's directing you. As Christ followers, he wants us to learn to trust him to lead every day of our lives. One of the major ways that he trusts us, or that he teaches us, he instructs us, he teaches us to trust him. He trains us. By letting us eat the fruit of our choices. So we pay attention. Well, oh, I went with my heart. I'm eating the fruit there. I'm falling. I'm not, I'm not sorting. Boy, that doesn't taste very good. One of the major ways he trains us is showing us if we trust in me or man, life dries up. If, if I trust in God, life grows up and flourishes around me. This, this is what God's doing. This is what he does. I'd like to wrap up the message today. And ask you, if you would, to take out the connection card in your program that you began to fill out or maybe you weren't here when we filled those out. You may need to take a little extra time uh, to to fill that out. I'd like to encourage you, if you would, uh, to start completing, fill out any information that you'd like to inform us of or any next steps that you'd like to take. And then when the offering Ushers, come around. You can drop the card in the offering basket. That'd be great. Here are some next steps as the band gets ready to lead us forward in some songs. Here are some practical ways that you can apply what you've heard in the message this morning. Um, my next step today is to, for the first time, I accept Jesus as my Savior and follow him as Lord. Maybe, maybe you've never, ever given your life to God. And what it means to accept Jesus as my Savior is you say, I am no longer going to try to do good to earn my way into a right relationship with God. I'm going to accept what Jesus has done on the cross. And I'm going to accept his payment for that. And then I'm going to follow him as Lord. I'm going to let him direct me. I'm going I'm to find out what he says about life. And I am going to keep choosing his way. Now, I'm going to blow it. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to go my own way. But as this is my intent from this day forward, I'm going to let him call the shots in every part of my life. If you're ready to do that, let us know. We would really like to encourage you in that decision. And then another step would be choose one way to express my trust in the Lord this week. And I listed some ways at the end of the message there. Find out what the Bible says about a decision I'm facing seek wise advice, don't rush the decision or consider the facts. So you could circle one of those if that applies. Uh, Maybe God said something else to you, but let's pray and ask God for for help. Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word. And I just ask God that you lead us and guide us, that you give us the strength to take the steps that you've laid on our heart to take this morning, that you might be pleased and glorified by our lives, because that's That's what you are worthy of. And so we ask for this help in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.